Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you, as always, by ZipRecruiter. I did not have to use ZipRecruiter when I hired our fantastic Ringer staff, but if I had, their powerful engine probably would have told me to hire everyone we've hired. That's how good Zip is. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. They are the best at distributing your job to the best boards, identifying the right people, and inviting them to apply. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS for free. What do you have to lose? Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for whatever you want to go see, you know what to do. Use promo code BS. You could buy your Yankee playoff tickets right now. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Should mention two podcasts, The Recapables. Mallory, Mallory Rubin and I did uh, Billions, episode two. It is up. We broke everything down, including the controversial helicopter landing at the Little League field. Also, I was on Channel 33 with Sean Fennessy. Him and Chris Ryan did top five Spielberg movies of all time. And then I went on at the end as the, as the closer and uh, gave my Spielberg thoughts. I have some Spielberg thoughts, apparently. I am going to Augusta this week for the Masters. And we are doing a whole bunch of content, including a big podcast middle of the week on this podcast. I think Joe House and I are going to be against all odds, giving our Masters preview with Cousin Sal. We're going to do a House of Carbs Augusta thing. I'm going to be on the Shack House pod on Thursday. We're blowing it all out. It is a multi-podcast extravaganza. And uh, not just about what's happening at the Masters, but what it's like to be there, what we're eating, and more importantly, what we're eating. Um, so you can listen to all those. Subscribe, check them out, test them out, whatever you want to do. Coming up, this podcast is going in a whole bunch of places. Uh, just trust me. Hold my hand. We'll walk through this together. But first, Pearl Jam. All right, coming up a little bit, we've been talking to Jacko about the start of the baseball season as well as his favorite sporting event whenever UConn's women's team uh, loses. make brings him the most happiness possible. Right now, Chris Ryan and Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. Uh, you've heard them on 20 different podcasts. They're here now. <laughs> we have, what, nine days left? Eight mm -hmm. days left? Yeah. What's the number one storyline for you right now, KOC? I think it's still the Western Conference. Like who's going to get in? Who's going to get out? We still have only a couple of games separating the Clippers Nuggets. Look at uh, they're out right now, but they're only a game back from New Orleans, two games back from Utah. That that's still the story to me. I have a counter. Okay. Does it matter? I feel like there's five good teams in the West, and I'm not sure any of these other teams. Minnesota, I guess maybe if Butler can come back and do anything, but. The Pelicans aren't doing anything. The Nuggets aren't doing anything. And the Clippers aren't doing anything in the playoffs. None of those teams are beating Houston or Golden State. Minnesota is the only possible maybe upside team. And I don't believe in them either. So my, my big storyline is definitely that that tier below Golden State, that Trailblazers, Spurs, Thunder, Jazz tier. And who's real there? And who could actually challenge a shakier Golden State you know, there's only got, three, right? It's the the Utah, Utah, OKC, and Portland. I think 
are at least going to give you a series. Right. Minnesota's given them a hard time in the past, though, even when Steph's played. So if, if they get Butler back and they're really they're really building positive momentum, maybe they're a team that can really push Golden State minus Steph. Like, so but, we have five and a half teams I mean, we like. I'm going to give them a half. You're um, writing off San Antonio just because no Kawhi. No Kawhi. I just don't think they have the star power. I, you can't like. Yeah, you, you need a starter. They're to win 45 a and 32. And I, I would argue. All right. So they're 13 games over 500. Whatever their infrastructure slash system thing mm-hmm. is. Probably swung 15 games from this year. It's basically a 500 team that won 13 games. It won just because they're good in the regular season. They know what they're doing. That's not going to work in the playoffs. I just can't believe what a cockroach this this Kawhi Leonard story is. Like you cannot kill this story. I just every time it's been tried to be put to bed, it's now he's going back to New York, and Popovich is like his team, his team of guy. I mean, his team decides he's ready. It's just it's amazing. We've we're, we, you and I were talking about how this never happens with the Spurs ever. And Ever. yet the Spurs have been secretly kind of dramatic <laughs> over the over the course of the decade, but it always is managed yeah, had, well. Yeah, the, the Tony Parker. The Tony Parker Brent Barry <laughs> thing was one of the weirdest things that happened yeah. all decade. Duncan's wife and all like mm-hmm. the crazy allegations when they got Lamarcus divorced, wanting to be traded. Weird. Yeah. Lamarcus demanded a trade. And it's not just this decade. Steven Dun- Jackson, they they waived a week before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They told him to get the F out. He was on the team. He was like in the rotation. What's the matter with the Spurs? A special blog boys investigation. <laughs> Where are the blog boys of the Spurs? <laughs> I just think it's a little more tumultuous than we realize. They're just really good at keeping everything in house. Yeah, and I the Kawhi it- story is the best example of this. This Kawhi story is insane. Yeah. And if it was any other team, it would be leaks. If this happened in Cleveland, this is a top five player who's just essentially refusing to play. Right? Can we say that? Is that is is that too? It seems like he is refusing to play. Any other story? This would any other team? This would lead every show every day. Yeah. If Kevin Durant took a was was basically cleared to medically cleared to play, was away from Golden State, hanging out in New York with his with separate team without the team doctors. With teammates taking shots at him. With, yes. And if Steph and Draymond were like, we've all usually, you know, we've rehabbed, we have the best doctors. My ankle injury was my a ankle injury, worse. et cetera. It is, it is wild. I, I have a, obviously a ton of respect and belief in the Spurs infrastructure, like you're saying. And I also cannot wait for a possible Spurs Rockets <laughs> matchup. Oh my God. Well, you know, Kawhi was the number two MVP and the number three MVP. Mm-hmm. So there's two years where he was the top three player in the league. And now he's just completely wiped out. And we, <laughs> I don't know that the history of guys losing a whole year like this and then coming back and being exactly what they were is pretty mixed. Well, and even this year in the, in the nine or so games that he played, he wasn't Kawhi Kawhi. No, he right? seemed, there, there's elements he seemed of slow. Him. Yeah, but, but he wasn't, wasn't like, Memphis Rudy Gay. I mean, he was just pretty good. You know, like he's still good, but But he was. There's like six or seven guys that are just at the top level. Yeah, and he was in there, and it didn't seem like he was close to that level from what we saw. But obviously, he wasn't feeling great. Um, But when I watch Paul George on OKC, sometimes when he's really feeling it and he's on both ends like a maniac, that's what Kawhi used to do. Yeah, we might not see that again. I hope we do, whether it's with San Antonio or somebody else. I hope I we do. 
What are your conspiracies? Do you have any conspiracy theories for this? Uh, so at the beginning of the season, my conspiracy was that they were going to use this excuse as a way to rest Kawhi whenever he came back with the new rest rules, not allowed to rest players. But that obviously is, was silly. Not the case yeah. at this point. I, I do think Kawhi perhaps might have some internal uh, it's some people in his circle that might want him elsewhere. Um whether that happens, who knows? But it's, a, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches for the Lakers with those two salary caps. Well, slots. what I don't understand mm. is five the, guys available for yeah. two spots. The timing of it is there. It, Kawhi, there's nothing Kawhi can really do to not get that supermax from San Antonio. That, you, but would you give him that though at this point? Absolutely. Yeah. I yes. think, I think He's he a top to. five player. Absolutely. You, I think I would be no very scared. You're kidding me, are you? I really would. I would be scared from if I'm San Antonio. I'm not saying if I'm another team. I'm saying if I'm San Antonio and I watch this guy handle his business the way he did for an entire season and seem like he didn't want to be part of the team, why why do I want to give you two hundred forty? So the counter to that is that by all accounts, when Lamarcus went to Pop and saying, "I don't think I, I fit in here. I want to be traded," Popovich was like. I don't, I, I can't, there's nothing I can get in return for you that would be of equal value. So we're going to have to make it work. So what was he, would he say to Kawhi? And do you really think that R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich are going to bend to Kawhi's inner circle or Jumpman or whatever it is that was like influencing all that? What are they going to do? Here, Just be like, you, you can sit. Here's the, the thing. Aldridge, Aldridge at the time had four years left on his deal. Yeah. Kawhi, free agent in 2019. That's yeah, the so difference. I think, I think the Aldridge thing's completely different because- the real reason I, they didn't well, trade Aldridge was because I, there was I, no market for him. What, what were they getting? I, I got a, I, actually the deal came after. So it wasn't four years left. Yeah. It, it was one year left. They re-upped him. Yeah, they right. re-upped him. Okay. Um, so actually that, that was incorrect what I just said. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality the was they didn't yeah. have a, they didn't have a trade for him. Yeah. He was available in June. Nobody wanted him. Yeah, who and was, he's like, I'm not trading you to contract. Phoenix for a bunch of, of of garbage. You know, like I he he. Right. He's like, no thanks. I'm not getting Marquise Chris and, you know and Jared Greg Dudley's Popovich contract. Because right, look at Lamarcus Aldridge this year. He's probably a top top ten, top fifteen player. But this Kawhi situation is different because if they could get, um, put it this way, Belichick would trade him, and I think the Spurs are the most wired like the Belichick Pats. Belichick would look at this and go. You don't want to be here? Fuck you. I'll get Brandon Ingram and I'll have more cap space and I'll be able to sign somebody else. I wonder if the better that's analogy would be it. the Packers and the Packers aren't trading Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's like that's. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. I, are we are we are we on Aaron the same Rogers planet was, right now? Aaron Rodgers was one of the best four quarterbacks of all time. Kawhi Leonard has been a top three player twice. I think Kawhi Leonard can be Russell Westbrook on offense, and then he can be Paul George on defense. He's just I mean, missed the whole season. I know that. I'm not saying that. You they have, have no idea the what's wrong with him. He's got a quad injury that he's obviously like not sure. It about. seems like more of an yeah. injury than just a quad it, injury. It, it look, seems like it, a I, fundamental I just the physical one issue. Kick not play for seventy well, you've games. Had, yeah, you've had it over so and over like, again. I'm okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. This this is a quad injury that. Two years ago, Tom Haberstroh wrote a great article on ESPN about how the Spurs had to solve this weird little quad issue that he had at the beginning of the 2014-15 season. So you're saying this is a four-year deal. Yeah, it's not something that just started this year. He had quad pain last year. Two years ago, it was solved. So it's not something that just popped up. It's something that's been that he's had at least for four years now. So will it go away? Will it go better? We really don't know. And maybe that's why Kawhi is in a spot where he's like, you know what? I can't play because I can't risk getting hurt again now. Maybe he needs to take 
take a step back and get 100% healthy, not just 90%. Maybe he wants to get rid of the problem entirely. Well, can he? Who knows? You know what? Know. I, if I'm Popovich, the only person I'm picking up the phone for, for Kawhi is Anthony Davis, and that's that's it. So you you wouldn't trade him for like more more so assets, salary. Like I don't, I don't think Popovich space. is in the. I think the whole reason they have Lamarcus and the whole reason Popovich is. Is still there is because this is the window. The window is the Kawhi Lamarcus. I think that, you know, with our coaching, we can match up with anybody. We can take out Houston. We can give Golden State problems. I don't think you're going to get that, though. I, I think I, it's a different. I so I didn't think the Cavs should have traded Kyrie. Mm hmm. I thought they should just wrote it out and waited, but the reasons were different on that because they had LeBron James, who was still one of the best two or three players in the league. And they had a chance to win a title and it was too risky to trade Kyrie because the whole point is to win the title. I don't think the Spurs can win a title with what they have. I, I think they're just, at least even if, if Kawhi was a thousand percent healthy, I still think they're a level below Houston and Golden State. And if, if Kawhi can leave in a year and he's this unhappy and he rejected that Jordan brand contract, which I think is another really interesting piece yeah. of this, that whether it's his inner circle, whether it's him, who knows? But he obviously feels like he's not as famous as some of these other guys, and it bugs him. And he wants to get paid top dollar. He wants to get paid, and report. he wants to be more. And it seems like he wants to be more recognizable, which is, I think, weird for us to understand because he didn't seem like a guy who ever gave a shit about any of that. He yeah, was this I mean, quiet he, guy who did nothing, mm -hmm. and then the whole point the whole of him thing was, he was like Duncan Kawhi, that We sort of robbed him of his was a kind of like soul because it was just like a guy built in a lab to play for the Spurs. But obviously, he does care about some of that stuff, and I think that's a piece of this. And maybe he doesn't and, want to be like, "Oh, you're just Popovich's robot," like Duncan was. <laughs> and and that's the thing, right? So that report, uh, I forget who reported a couple months ago, but he wanted to be paid top dollar by a shoe company, but they, it seems like they didn't want to pay him that. The reason why they wouldn't want to is because he's in San Antonio. He doesn't transcend that market like Russell Westbrook does in OKC, like LeBron James does no matter where he is. So maybe if you're Kawhi and his team, you're like, we need him in a big market city where he can get paid top dollar and get top level exposure. Whereas in San Antonio, Which would be LA. Like, probably LA. Yeah. Um, and I think if you look at somebody like Paul George, who is the sidekick for Russell Westbrook. Yep. And Russell Westbrook's been awesome since the All-Star break. Really he went good. from somebody that I didn't, I thought potentially could not make the All-NBA team to, I think he's second team yeah, no easily. Um, but if you're Paul George, you go to the Lakers and you're now the face of the Lakers. You're at a different level with everything. You're a different level of stardom. You're a different level of endorsements. You're kind of become the guy. And uh, Are you on a good team though? Well, but I, but I wonder with that stuff. Well, if you're Paul George, you're thinking like, I'm going to the Lakers. They'll figure it out. They have, you know, they're a top three market and they have all these young guys and mm -hmm. we'll be really good. They'll be good pretty soon. But if I'm Kawhi, I'm like, I already won a title. I think that's another thing we forget about this stuff. And I think that was a big part of the Kyrie thing. He did already won a title. Like, so you think once that. you win a title, you're playing with house money. I think they think about it a little differently. I, it doesn't really matter because if, if they don't win the title, then it's torture. I'm tortured by the fact that I haven't gotten the chip yet. So I have to go somewhere where that's possible. I mean, but I do think it's a little liberating. People though. like to move around. I think it just engages a different part of your brain when you when you put yourself out there onto an open market. What the Celtics people have told me about Kyrie is that they're surprised he was able to be a sidekick for LeBron for that long because they're like, this guy's a complete alpha. 
He's, they said he's like exactly like what KG was like. Kyrie's he talked just, a lot about that. I remember in the yeah. playoffs, I think it was last year, maybe the year before with Cleveland, he talked about the sacrifice that him and LeBron had to go to, you know, putting their egos aside. Right. You know, and, and, and it was it, like, who the truth. fuck are you? You're 24. Yeah. But yeah. now you play eight more games sense, of Duke more. and you were on a terrible Cavs team until LeBron came along. <laughs> yeah. Saved your career. It'll be like when you start your own site and people will be like, I can't believe Chris and Bill coexisted for that. Like, I know. <laughs> Chris.com pops off. I know. Chris Barstool Chris. Philly sports guy. <laughs> <laughs> sports guy. Uh, but anyway, to go back to the West, the matchups are really fun right now. And I think they're probably going to stay the way they are. I mean, Houston's a wash, but Houston is going to crush anybody, right? That one's going to be a four game sweep. The only hope anyone has is that they're so bored right now and they've clinched everything. And you can get a little flimsy down the stretch, right? You yeah. can like lose. Sure. Lose your pizzazz a little bit. Dan Tony talked a little about that. And he was, that's why he was like, I want, he's like, I don't want to have a rested team that's out of rhythm going into the playoffs. So you can't have a rested team that's not playing good. I think that, I think like that was the line. It's like, well, yeah, you also want to be good. So you might want to rest a little bit. I think (laughs) Golden State round one with no Curry. Talent wise, nobody should touch them. There's so much going on with that team. Like Durant comes back on Thursday and gets thrown out of his first game. There's, (laughs) there's like this bubbling kind of anger with that team that they can't really seem to harness. I love it. it. It's good. But I I think like the right team can really like kind of get to them and they can get Draymond thrown out of a game. Sure. But that was the case when they were winning 73 games a year too. They're not the same team anymore. I I completely appreciate everything that you're saying about them. The the exhaustion that they must be feeling mentally. I don't think they have as good of a bench team. Everything. Just get it. Get us to round three. But that could also be the the chip on your shoulder. I feel like we're speaking really like in like, you know, mental toughness cliches or whatever, but I do think that they are like really pissed. I think that they, as we heard from your podcast, read everything about them. They've been reading about Houston all year. I think yeah. they're ready to bring it. Well, I don't think Minnesota is, you think what you're more optimistic. Back? What if Butler gets back? Does that change the equation? Let's, let's say I just don't 90%. like their team enough. I don't either. I think Utah would be a problem. I, I also think they would beat Utah. For sure. But I think Utah would be a problem. They, you, they would actually have to win that series. Golden State's had a hard time with Towns in the past, though. He's one of the few True. guys. And Towns has played better. Headaches. Yeah, he's been awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think Minnesota could give Golden State some trouble. They wouldn't beat him. Um, but without Curry, I certainly think Towns would be a load to handle. Uh, I think still maybe five, six games, maybe. Not the a thing with Minnesota is, and it's Utah has the same problem to some degree. Guys who have just never been in a series like that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Wiggins at all. And I think no. he's taken a lot of shit this season, rightly so. And then you're putting him in that series <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. Towns has been, really seems like he's gone up a level since the All-Star game. Third year in a row. Did Maybe confidence. Yeah. Every, yeah, confidence in usage. I mean, he's, as soon as Jimmy goes out, Towns starts starts getting nemesis. Up, upwards of 20 shots a game and it really it, it really starts to open and, up for him he, even then it still feels like there's more mm-hmm. you, there's still more that, that he can give if he's if he's fed out fed the opportunity so they're they're plus two for the year which i don't like they're five and five in their last 10 which i don't like they're 16 and 23 on the road which i really don't like i don't like teams that don't win on the road that's the Celtics aren't going to make the finals this year, but I think the the craziest thing about the Celtics they is they play so well. Twenty nine and ten on the road, yeah. wild, which is just nuts. Like they don't, they're actually in some ways it's a disadvantage for them to be at home. They love being on the road. That's Spursian. That's like we're ready to play yeah. every night. But I think Utah, 
the thing, the thing with them is just the, how much they rely on Mitchell and just relying on a rookie like that in the playoffs. I, it's a recipe for. Can we talk about usually. how excited we are for Gobert Nurkic in the first round? Well, the, but that's the thing is this stuff could change tonight. I know, but if you want to say if you're saying that this Gobert is Nurkic, Nurkic would, would be, be such a good <laughs> a fun first round. See those guys stuck with each other in the paint for four <laughs> or five games. I was still someone's getting clotheslined. <laughs> I'm rooting, and right now, like, OKC is a half game up on Utah. But my dream scenario is Portland, OKC 3-6. Yeah, that would also be I another that incredible first the, round. The best series of the playoffs, hands down. Oh, two incredible arenas, too, in terms of the yeah. crowd there. That would be like two, two soccer mob yeah. cities. Yeah. yeah, it's the only thing. How, how could you guys not want Golden State, Oklahoma City, though? In the first round, well, that'd be vol- good vulnerable too. because that takes. I feel like that Steph. takes Oklahoma City, whether you like them or not, is like one of the more interesting teams. I, I kind of want them to be in the mix for a little while longer beyond so, that to get to a round two. Yeah. So you want round two Golden State, yes. Oklahoma City with Steph maybe back mid series, yes. and well, Russ, that's Russ being like over. I'm still better than him. Yeah. Okay. So if that's our three six. Either team Golden State plays in round two is a great series. Yeah, because no Golden doubt. State Portland would be awesome too, especially if Curry doesn't come mm-hmm. back in time for Dame it. And They'd CJ be in a lot of trouble in that versus series. Clay without Steph as yeah. his partner with Quinn Cook with Quinn Cook uh, with Quinn Cook. Um, yeah, that would be pretty fun. I'm a believer in Portland, which I've I've been saying for a while. I don't think they could beat Golden State, but I do think that could be a seven game classic. Yeah, and they could definitely make make the Warriors sweat and stuff. The uh, the Spurs are just the turd in the punch bowl for me in this. I'm sorry. I, I respect the Spurs. I thought what they did in 2014 was incredible. Hope Shay's I just not don't listening. want to watch them in a playoff series. Like, oh, great. Kyle, good pick and roll with Kyle Anderson. Just not interested. <laughs> LaMarcus Aldridge, ah, oh, throwing it down. The anti Spurs rhetoric from you today is really I strong. I just don't enjoy watching them. I'm hope, sorry. Hope Shay Serrano's not listening. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. KOC, let's quickly talk about tonight's national championship game and our favorite draft prospects. Hey, Google, set a timer for two minutes. Here we go. All right, two minutes, starting now. All right, draft prospects tonight. Favorite. Good. Mikhail Bridges on Villanova. Only lottery pick in the tights games. Two-way player, 3 and D guy. Maybe capable of a little bit more once he develops his ball handling ability. I love this guy, and I think he's going to go four spots too late in the draft, and he's going to come in, and he's like the absolute perfect 3 and D guy, athletic. I could see him on 15 teams. He could actually come into the playoffs right now and probably play for like nine of the playoff teams. And then Nova has another guy too, though, that you could also play immediately in today's league. And this is why there's a big favorite tonight with Jalen Brunson. I know you're a fan of him. Just knows how to play the game. Really beefy point guard, can shoot threes, can post them up. He's a, he's an exciting late first round pick or maybe early second for Nova. Yeah, he's got one of those old school pickup games where sometimes he'll like put the guy in his hip and take him to the foul yeah. line and do like that herky-jerky stuff and... Like he came out of the eighties, which is funny because his dad was Rick Brunson, who played for the Celtics. There's some Mark and, Jackson. Yeah, it's almost him. like he yeah. taught Rick Brunson yeah. taught him like nineties yeah. point guard play. Who else do we have? And then on Michigan, you got Mo Wagner, power forward slash center, three point shooter. Needs to get better defensively, but he plays with energy that's contagious. I think if he has a big game shooting the ball and taking advantage of mismatches down low, I think Michigan has a shot. But Wagner needs to be at his best. Any second rounders that we like? Yeah, I think a second rounder maybe slips into the late first round, but more likely a second round prospect if he declares. Who is the biggest draft prospect stock winner out of this whole tournament? 
it might be Brunson. In my opinion, I think he went from a second round guy to, in my opinion, a guy who should be in the first round conversation. So I think Brunson's play has just been outstanding. Remember I texted you? No, I barely yeah, watch any college basketball, and I, I just did. did the five-minute Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> blink test, and I'm like, who's this dude on West Virginia, the point guard? He's good. Who's that dude? Who's yeah. Why isn't yeah. Brunson a first-rounder? I don't yeah. understand. And I remember saying, yeah, you know, he's a junior. He doesn't do this, doesn't do that. But he's done it all in, in, the, in the March Madness for, the, for Villanova. Hey, Google, stop timer. We're done. All right, we're back with Chris and KOC. All right, we're going to the East. The East right now. Oh, shit, Miami and Milwaukee switched. Yesterday, the East was in a, a position where I loved every single series. And you were, and you thought maybe there would be an upset in every single series, right? I just thought the case could be made. Yeah, I agree with you. Indiana plays Philly really well. Washington, I don't think, could beat Cleveland, but they play them really well. And they're a nice matchup, and they do some things. Their backcourt is so much better than Cleveland's backcourt. And they do have guys to at least throw at LeBron to make him work a little bit. And I don't know. They could at least hang with them. Celtics, Miami... Also, the, the Cavs are still having to work to beat Mavs, Mavs teams, even though we're like, yeah. <laughs> we're in April. I'll tell you that the, the confidence of the Cavs fans is really fascinating. It's like we have, Le- we do this every year. We have LeBron. You do we're not fine. do this every year. Just as somebody who's been watching you guys really closely for the yeah, last five years. You guys are terrible defensively. <laughs> like really like historically bad. They, they do have and, LeBron though. And they have They're LeBron. right about that. <laughs> and the case now is like, we'll just outscore everybody. That's never worked for four straight rounds in the yeah, playoffs in the history of the league. It's like, okay, you guys want to be Doug Mo Denver? It's good right. luck. <laughs> great. We've seen that before. But uh, Philly, Indiana would be great. Toronto versus Miami, which now isn't going to, it wouldn't happen if the season ended today because Miami's seven. But uh, Toronto, Miami have had really good games this year. And it's a, it's a weirdly similar teams that, uh, am I crazy that Miami could beat Toronto in a series? I mean, Toronto slipped a little bit. They haven't been the same for maybe three, three, three and a half weeks yeah. now or so. Um, I, I, look, I, I'd still take Toronto in that series. Of course. I, I think you would take all the favorites in all these series. Really good better defense. Like Miami's bringing a really good coach with a lot of experience. And they have so many different combinations that they can throw at it's you. It's such a weird team. It's so hard to play in a series. And it's like, oh, a Linux hot. We'll just ride him. Like, yeah, how well, do you prepare for How that? do you prepare for just it, like, there's like a, there's a random Bam Adebayo dunk that sends right. the, the place into hysterics and Gorin gets hot or James Johnson gets hot or Wayne Ellington gets hot and or Kelly Olynyk is just keeping it and, and it, driving and dunking. Or, Dwayne Wade will have one game. Yeah. And that's the good thing. Like you said, Chris, they can play different styles. Yes. They can play big with Whiteside and Olynyk. Whiteside they, they, to play, yes. Yeah. They can put us. They can put a Linux at the five and space the floor, or they can go super small with James Johnson and Justice Winslow as their four and five. They can take on different styles, set a tone. It's a murderous team. It's going to make them a tough out in the playoffs. I, I How much was, do you like Bam? I like Bam. I, I think he's headed for Mitch Kupchak giving him an $80 million contract in three years. Yeah. Mitch Kupchak's running the Hornets. Bam so looks I have some ideas. <laughs> we'll get Bam. Bam looks like he's been the carving thing. things into mountains. That yeah. guy is so built. Charlotte, I, I heard at the draft, but before the draft, Charlotte was looking at Mitchell and Bam, um, but they ended up going with Malik Monk. Ooh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trading for Malik right now if mm-hmm. I'm one of the champs. The, uh, the Celtics, I really wanted them to play Milwaukee, even though Milwaukee is somebody that's played them well because after going in person to that Clippers-Bucks game and seeing just 
how disorganized Milwaukee was. I was like, that's a team I want to put in the playoff series. And all their fans feel the same way. Like I tweeted last night about how they, they basically had the anti-Brad Stevens as their coaches this year. <laughs> I almost think that it would be worth it for them to fire their interim coach, Joe, what's his name? Joe Brundy. Brundy. Joe Brundy. Yeah. Brundy. This Joe is Prunty. a running bit on various Ringer NBA yeah, no, shows is that nobody knows <laughs> this guy's name. Well, then he's, when you watch, when you go to the game, he's just standing there. It looks like the, uh, like he's like the caretaker. But I almost wonder if uh, Mr. Prunty, I'm teaching chemistry today. <laughs> Trying to Let's stay have some way. fun, guys. Chemistry can be fun. Giannis, I've heard you're great. Uh, I almost wonder if they're better off just firing him and hiring David Fisdale for like three weeks. Just like a three-week deal. Like what, we'll pay what, what would happen if Milwaukee hired Patino for the playoffs? Oh, God. Here, that would make it worse. Here's the thing. The coach wasn't the problem. It's the roster. It's the way the pieces fit together. Jason, I mean, the coach matters, but I think the team needs a little bit of a shakeup too to improve their personnel and the way they all fit together. But it's one of those teams, though, that they're running a play that ends up with like Brandon Jennings isolated against DeAndre Jordan, and then he can't do anything. Jason Terry is still playing crunch time point. Jason Terry started. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't believe it. But what if they paid Fisdale like like $150,000 a week? For as long as the Bucks lasted. Just like, hey, just come in for three With weeks. Also the intention of keeping him next season? No, just be like, just come on no. in for three weeks. <laughs> just why, come in. Why, We're hiring you as a temp for three weeks. Why are we confident, though, that a coach is going to fix this roster right now? Because I, I thought if they, if they do things like give the ball to Giannis, play the right <laughs> players. Don't start Jason Terry. Right. It would help. It seems like very simple stuff. It, it would help, but I, I do think the roster needs some changes. Yeah. I Well, it's it's clear that Jabari is not long for that world. Yeah. And I'm sure he's mortified by how this all played out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's a, it's an odd fit with him and Giannis. It feels like it should work. Does but it, it fit? He's pressing it too. It's It kind of sucks. Oh, he was so bad the other yeah. night. Um, you know, they told me at the, at the Clipper game that after that 60 minutes piece, they had 1,400 tickets sold in the 36 hours after that 60 minutes piece for the Clippers game. Wow. Like 22 million people saw it. Giannis went to this whole other level of fame, right? Yeah. And there's poor Jabari who was kind of the guy, mm-hmm. but I got to throw out a team for him. Don't you be sitting down, Casey? Thank God yeah, you're sitting I'm down. Ready. The Utah Jazz. Be nice. Mormon. Yeah. They'd love him. Could be that could be they could sign and trade him this summer, I think. Yeah. If they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Or he could just All right, sign. do whatever. But uh but anyway, I would want to play them. And I think whoever gets Milwaukee in round one as great as Giannis is, he's a year away. Yeah. He, he a year away and a coach away. Seen him a couple times now in person this year. He's he's just incredible. I mean, he had five blocks in the first half of the Clipper game I went to, but he doesn't totally know what to do yet. Like they they put uh Thornwell on him. He doesn't totally know how to post up. He doesn't know really how to demand the ball all the time and all that stuff. Uh, Philly, Indiana. You're a little scared of Indiana, Chris Ryan. Yeah. I'm always scared. I'm spooked on like a macro narrative level because I think that a first round loss to Boston, Toronto, or Cleveland is like a a dignified death. But losing to Indiana would be like the entire season, especially here. We've been paying way more attention to Philly than Indiana, even though Indiana's yeah. had this incredibly successful season, given what people expected from them. And to kind of get taken out by them would be like, you were never real this whole yeah. time. Well, they've won 10 straight. Peaking too early. Um, <laughs> they ruined my over-under bet 
<laughs> which I was have... entirely made on Embiid. It was like, there's no way Embiid plays 50 games. Have Get you gone back to here. our dinner bet yet? Have you gone back to figure... what was our dinner bet? I think I it was over under eight games for Fultz. And we're going to, I'm going to go over, I think. Oh, so I owe you dinner. Yes. I'll take you to major domo. Thanks buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Fultz thing came out of nowhere. He's looked, he looks like an really NBA player. fast and athletic. Yeah, he's really good. He's really good. He's I don't know why teams aren't playing five feet off him. I mean, we saw a little bit of that. Do you think that like the combination shoot. of Simmons and Fultz in a game, not together, but just in general, just like can't do breaks it. defenses a little bit because they're just like, I don't. How did Simmons score? was like had 25 on like 10 for 12 shooting the other night. Like, yeah. Simmons is having these box scores that Jason Kidd used to have in the 1990s where he has like five points, 13 rebounds and 15 assists, (laughs) but it's not a triple double, but it should, there should be its own word for it. I don't know what it is. Um, Simmons to me is the great X factor of the entire Eastern conference. What I've seen from him over the last two months, the rookie of the year, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, The confidence that he's playing with now. So much. He looks like a 29 year old, and there's like a lot of Australian in him, which, and I mean that in a positive way, like he's just a badass. He's not afraid of anybody. He's super aggro. He's always moving at the speed he wants to move. And uh, I, I just think he's been awesome to watch. He really knows, he knows exactly what he can do and he can't do. He never goes out of his comfort zone ever. And he's really fucking fun to play with. Like he's a good passer who gets the ball in the right spots to the right people. He's constantly in control. It feels always. like anytime yeah. the ball is, is in his hands, it feels like the right play is about that to feels happen. Like, it feels like Kid too. Where it, with Kid, it was I. You, did you ever see Kid turn it over? Did you ever see Kid make a really bad pass? It was there was mm. always these good passes, especially in that 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 peak of of that Nets period where you just felt like, oh, he's got the ball. Like nothing bad is going to happen here. The difference is last three minutes when it really slows down and the D goes up. Kid, it took him a while to figure it out, and it mm-hmm. really wasn't until he was on the Nets where it's just like. I'm going to get us a shot, guys. I have not seen that with Ben Simmons, and I don't think we're going to see it for two, three years. And I honestly don't think it matters either. I don't think for him to be like the, I got this, I'll create us a shot. You're talking 2020, 2021 before he figures that part out. And that'll be the last piece for him. And that'll be the difference between, he's probably somewhere between the 14 and 20th best player in the league right now. Yeah. I don't think he's going to make all NBA, but I would put him in that group. But for him to be like a top three, top four type guy, that'll be the last piece. For sure. I mean, he, he needs to be at least a threat to shoot. I think we saw, Le- well, we talked about this on a pod before where yeah. young LeBron even had games where he was limited when teams forced him into being a shooter. Sim- Simmons is going to have that same issue in the playoffs, whether it's against Indiana or somebody in the later rounds. We're going to see that where it's like he's just not there yet. But he has everything else. Like he checks every single box. He's incredible. Except for jump shot. And I think he's getting better defensively too. The, the thing I think he can yeah. learn, and he might even be able to learn it on the fly here these next couple weeks. There's a couple spots he can score from. Mm-hmm. And he's got to figure out during games like, oh, I'm just going to go to that spot. Get me the ball. I know I can do that. And he, there's like three things he knows he can do, and that'll really help them. I was kind of cynical about the Bellinelli and Ilyasova additions, 
but you can tell he thri- uh, he really thrives playing with veteran players because there was a few times with TLC or some of the younger guys where Simmons was clearly thinking about the game on a level that they hadn't figured out yet. <laughs> where, yeah. the, where the passes were coming from. Where, he's firing balls into people's shooting motions. You know, yeah. they, this is passing on a really, really advanced level. You can watch yeah. a game. If you have time, just like watch a Sixers game and just watch his passing. And I think that some of the veteran guys are able to complement that level of passing in a way that some of the younger kids are still learning about. Those yeah. are great signings that I don't love the buyout rule. It's just, a, it's a very strange seems like rule. Cheating, right? I don't no, like it. it I don't think it seems like it's not cheating because it's legal. It's just, it's really weird to me that you can just cut Bellinelli and Illasova and they end up on a playoff team. And we see it every year and there's always like four or five guys. It's really helped the Sixers. Yeah. And it's weird that they didn't have to give up anything for it, I guess is my point. You know, what's the alternative? No, there's nothing. It was just great. And that's part of like, you you build a good team and then you want to be able to get us somebody like Bell and be like, I want to play for you guys. Um, But it's just, it's just a weird rule. No other sport really works like that. Um, I think it's rounded at their team. They're, they've actually been able to extend their leads sometimes. And, yeah, and now but, they have actual yeah. depth and they have two two identities. One's this like veteran savvy team and the other one yeah. is this. The big thing also is that, especially in the last couple of weeks before he got injured, one of the things that I thought was almost revolutionary about what they were doing was that all this stuff with this inside out game with Embiid and Simmons, but with Simmons playing inside yeah, and Embiid being at the top of the key. And yeah, I used cool. to just sort of be horrified by Embiid holding the ball at the top of the key for seven seconds. That was the only part of his game that I was kind of like, please just, you you are the most dominating inside presence in the last 10 years. Can you please just go down low? And it, But now it almost seems to be working to their advantage because pe- teams are like, what do we do here? How do you switch Embiid yeah, and Simmons? It's too weird. It's, it's too out of, out of the blue. The guys that were clearly guys who should be in a playoff rotation – and t- it worked out for two of them were Bellinelli and Brewer. Oh, yeah, both. Um, I mean, Tyreek Evans was the other one, and they stupidly didn't trade him more, and they didn't <laughs> wave him either. But Brewer's somebody, like, we've seen him do it before, and for what OKC had going, um, a dramatic improvement. The We should talk about the Celtics really quickly, not because they're my favorite team, but I'm just amazed that they're going to they still in this thing for the one seed where they've basically gotten 60 games combined out of Kyrie Crazy. and Hayward. The Stevens coach of the year thing is done. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see how anybody could argue anything else. The, the fascinating things that have happened. You over think the last, Brad over Quinn? Oh yeah. If it just take the top two players off any playoff team in the league and get 60 games out of them instead of 160. Like that's, they've lost over a hundred games from their top two guys. Um, Tatum has gone up a level. He hit the, he's had the classic rookie season, like mm-hmm. almost like you could have done the formula for it. First two great months, swoon, rookie yep. wall. Now it's like he's really, really starting to get his feet. And then the Marcus Morris trade, which was the third best trade date he made last summer. <laughs> Marcus Morris for Avery Bradley was like, like a heist. Avery Bradley's been hurt all year. He's going to leave. Um, and then the Shane Larkin and and just like they there's this grittiness with this team that if they can survive round one and bring Kyrie back into this, they're going to be a tough out. To your point about Tatum, it's not like that. He's just getting more shots. He's not just catching, shooting more without Kyrie. He's running more pick and roll. They're putting yeah. him through more dribble handoffs, more stuff off screens. He's part of like the fabric of their offense now, and he hasn't lost any shooting efficiency. Or What's anything. up with the rookie so, wall? It doesn't seem like it was as big of a factor this year. 
Yeah, for it any was of for guys, him. really. Was it, it was for Tatum. He talked about it, too. Yeah? Yeah. I think... Uh, but it seems like the guy that, that there's been a little bit of a bounce for a couple of these guys in the last 20, 30 come, games. That seems these, to be these, what happens. These are some good rookies, though, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an this unusually, is a great class. I really, I've really class. enjoyed this class I think what happened with Tatum, there was so much pressure the first... Because they had that streak. So all of a sudden it was like they're playing a playoff game. There was like a little like seven game stretch mm-hmm. where it was like every game is a playoff <laughs> game, basically. And I do think it wore out him and and uh Jalen Brown to some degree. But um the the sophistication with how they use Tatum now, I was really frustrated just as a fan of the team. Like, why doesn't Tatum get more shots? Why don't we use them mm-hmm. more? And obviously Stevens was really carefully easing him toward where this was going. Um I think to, for, to win 56, 57, 58, wherever they end with everything that's happened this year is lunacy. I don't understand it. It's, I think if before the season, you would have been quite happy with that had it's, Hayward and just Irving nuts. been healthy the entire season. Yeah. It makes no sense. And then you look at the the getting rid of Bradley Crowder, Isaiah, um, which they've obviously sold high at the perfect time on those three. And it seemed ruthless at the time, and it still does. But, man, you mentioned Toronto. What was that game? We were talking on the phone the other day. They had that one game that they blew in the refs. They had a streak on. Was it OKC? I believe it was OKC, right? And they were mad at the refs. And then it seems like they lost momentum. There was about a 10-day stretch there where everybody was like, Toronto, it's going to happen this year. This is a different team. I believe in these guys. And they lost that OKC game. 132-125, they lost that. And then they lost that Wednesday Cleveland the game. Cleveland game. Which I think was a really pivotal point in their season because it was like they lay the smack down. They put up, I think, 79 in the first half or yeah. some crazy number. Blowing Cleveland out. LeBron came back. It became clear that, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> we can't beat LeBron. We've never been able to stop him ever. And now it feels like the whole balance of the conference has swung again. Cleveland's favored to win the East again. And it was all really because of that game. If Toronto won that game, we wouldn't even have the conversation. That that was the game when Cavs fans were like, you know what? We can outscore teams. We have LeBron. Don't worry about it. We're good. Because Toronto in that first half, they still gave up a lot of points, too. Their defense. Their defense has not been as good. Three weeks now, they've really been struggling on that end of the floor. And their offense has been What do you ascribe that to? Has there been some injury that there was? Or or has it just been like wear and tear over the course of a long season? Part of me wonders if it's fatigue. They're just making little little weird mistakes that they didn't have before. And I, I also wonder... How much of it is teams are just exposing some of their weaknesses a little bit more as the season wears on? Like Valanciunas is better, but he's still not a great rim protector, right? They, their perimeter defense isn't that great. And then you think about a matchup against Cleveland potentially in the playoffs. They have nobody. You think Valanciunas is going to play that much in, in say, in a, a series against Cleveland? Here's the tough part. Like, he, their offense is better with him yeah. because he's so good at just running plays, setting screens, and he's been shooting a couple of threes so he can at least space a little bit for the team. Whereas Pirtle, better defender, but he's not, doesn't make the, quite the same impact on offense. Right. Siakam. Nobody worries about him on on offense. You don't need to really defend him at all. And they can't They're really weird. play. They have a they have a who's our best five problem that during the regular season like doesn't matter. Games. Yeah, but yeah. in a playoff series, it matters. At some point, you have to know who your best five is. You were you were about to say I'm I'm, I'm mind reading you that they didn't have anybody to guard LeBron, but nobody does. Yeah. Now here's the thing: nobody has anybody to guard LeBron, but. 
you have guys that can at least slow him down and make him work. Like the Celtics have guys to throw at him. Yeah. They have three. They have Morris. They have uh, Jason Tatum and most importantly, Jalen Brown. And you just throw guys at him. LeBron's still going to get his points. Right. You're not worried but about it's not be Norman Powell but, but or any of these Toronto guys. Toronto doesn't have anybody but, but that, that guys, they can throw at him. But all those guys you listed, they don't. When they're on the floor, they don't hurt you offensively. Siakam and OG and Anobi. OG's yeah. shooting the ball pretty well over the course of the full season, 36% from three. But he's been really poor lately, and teams aren't worried about him. I mean, even though his percentages are fine, you're not worried about OG spotting up. Siakam, don't need to defend him. So they don't have a guy that at least keeps you afloat. So I guess the question would be more than, I mean, because I think that depth has been such a huge part about various teams' success over the last couple of seasons, the regular season, but still inevitably there's going to be this rotation shortening that happens. We're not going to see 11 guys on Toronto playing double-digit minutes. So who's going to fall out of the rotation? And is the fact that, even DeMar at the top is only playing like 34 minutes, averaging 34 minutes a game. Whereas Cleveland's been so top heavy all season long, playing their guys so many extensive minutes and have been, with the exception of LeBron, really injury prone. I don't know. I still am pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on Toronto. I don't think that this is, this is fake. I don't think that this season they're having is like an illusion. I'm concerned. I am too. I I just, I'm concerned for them in the Cleveland matchup because I just think it's like a big brother, little brother thing. And, and, you know, it's weird. Like they really rely on Van Vliet. He's well, out there in big moments for mm-hmm. them. This is somebody that, and you know, it's almost seems like they're most comfortable playing three guard. I'm sure and they are. Yeah. I don't think it's going to work against Cleveland. Well, that's the tough part is putting the right pieces, the right, the right personnel on the floor that manages to at least contain LeBron as well as you can hope to contain LeBron versus maintaining your offensive prowess. So it's the type of thing where Casey needs to find the right balanced lineup that he can lean on in those moments when they just need to be at their absolute best. And I don't know. I mean, they, well, they, let me, they, let they, me they, throw this team at you. John Wall, who Joe house, I talked to yesterday. He was all excited. Cause John Wall, he said he's 15 pounds skinnier. He's like, <laughs> we don't have fat John Wall anymore. I think he did this whole riff on ringer NBA, but the wall bill combo being able to throw Porter and Ubre at LeBron, at least like mm-hmm. slow him down a tiny bit. And, and Morris. Yeah, and Morris, who has been up and down this year. But I think that's a tough series for them. I don't I don't think they're gonna beat Cleveland, but I, I think it's conceivable. And I, I certainly don't trust Cleveland in 100% any hundred percent dependent on what happened, what John Wall we get. Yeah, and how he fits within like a Cleveland team that's been more successful by moving the ball. Could you make the case? That the Wizards learning how to survive without John Wall was actually the only way that this team could go up a level, because now it's like we kind of learned, we yeah. kind of learned how to rely on Beal a little bit more and do some stuff. Yeah, and you find out that Sadoransky is yeah. a real John NBA Wall player. Comes back. Yeah, Otto Porter took a little bit of a mini leap during if the season. If he can as figure well. out how to fit into everything they kind of built for better and worse. Versus, like, it's my show. I'm going to shoot 26 times. But you're times not saying that five. Washington has a better shot against Cleveland than Toronto does, are you? No. But I'd rather catch Cleveland in round one than round uh-huh. three. Uh huh. And throw them like a guy they haven't seen in a couple months in wall. In wall. What's, so, what's well, the status of Davis? Like, here's, the other thing, here's the other thing with Cleveland. They have dudes in that series who have never been in a big game before, other than Rodney Hood, who disappeared in that Clipper series. And I don't trust Rodney Hood whatsoever. Clarkson's never been in a big game. Larry Nance hasn't been in a big game. I want to. I want to take my swings at them in round one. Round three, they're comfortable. They get their feet wet. They've they've been in some, you know, big spotlight games. 
I think to your point about Washington, they they match up better on paper with their roster, but you'd still take Toronto because of the sheer talent level. I, oh man, I, I yeah, I guess. I just don't know who guards LeBron for them. I don't know what they do. I I'm, I think LeBron. I appreciate what the Wizards have managed to pull off without Wall, but I think the fact that we're talking about this is crazy. Like Toronto has been awesome this year. I'm with you. I'm. I just think LeBron goes into a Toronto series like I got this. They have nobody who can guard me. I'm beating them. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think he's shook going in up against Sadoransky and <laughs> Kelly Oubre. <Lure. laughs> but at least he's like, oh, they have Otto Porter. Okay. Think about that guy for a split second. He's like, oh no, there's Siakam. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like, there's Siakam. He's like, there's DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. He's fine. He's been beating those guys for five years. I really do. So think you don't have any of like the, this is the bogey team that this Toronto core has to get over. They're going to slay the dragon and move forward because we've talked about this before about how we have kind of like a short, we have short vision when it comes to teams now where we're like, oh, your window is so small, but Toronto's following a fairly typical NBA trajectory of taking their lumps for a couple of years. And now this is the, this is the time they, they are, but they aren't because DeRozan under no scenarios in the top level of players in the league. He's on the next level. Okay. I think there's seven guys that matter. And then we go to the next level and he's on that level, right? Seven or eight, whatever we want to say. Um, the history of the finals says it's really hard to make the finals unless you have guys top in that seven. top group. Mm-hmm. So the way to sneak in is if it's like an 0-4 Pistons type situation where just perfect circumstances, for sure, weaker league, and you catch the team at the right time, all of a sudden you win the title. And I thought there was a chance that Toronto could be that team. Because of their defense. Also, yeah, correct, like, the thing about that yeah. Pistons team. Their backcourt, familiarity, yeah. Yeah. And, and also the East was a complete shit show. And it's like, oh, this is the perfect setup for them. But And that Pistons team was, if you combine the collective personalities of the people involved with that Pistons team. It was basically like having a top seven player. Yeah. Those guys were some of the most savvy, competitive, aggressive. Well, and, then, and it turns out Ben Wallace was a top like six or seven. Yeah, player. Right. We just weren't thinking of him that way until right. after the thing. And, and the, th- the thing with Toronto, with Toronto's defense is that a couple of weeks ago when I wrote the article about the Spurs, they, they have this poor net rating. They've performed, they've performed poorly against teams over 500. FYI, there's a Reddit thread today about how they've gone eight and two know, since that article. And Toronto was the other many reasons why I don't go there. Toronto was the other team that had performed poorly. And John Schumann from NBA.com put out a great stat that kind of highlighted that as well, where Toronto's defense has ranked 29th. Against yeah. teams with a top 10 offensive rating, whereas they've just beaten up on virtually everybody else. So against top offenses, they're not their, defenses ha- their defense hasn't been outstanding. My fear for them. Year. So the second, the first or second year I did TV, that Knicks team when Carmelo was a top three MVP mm-hmm. and they were shooting a ton of threes. The kid and team? When kid was on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of peaked in March, but there was this run from like December to March where they were awesome. And everybody's like, wow, this team's for real. Oh, my God. And then they, by by the time we got to April, they had kind of crested. And then they were back to. But wasn't that more- Knicks team like the third or fourth seed? No, that team. I think that team was the second seed. They won like they won in the mid fifties that year. I'm gonna look, 50, but I don't think that. I mean, wins. I think this Toronto team is offensively been on the, like just a hair of beneath the Warriors and the Rockets this year, right? Yeah, they've been outstanding. Yeah, for sure. But what you're not remembering. 
is that Knicks team was awesome offensively that year. That was like one of the first teams that were shooting 33s a game and making a ton of threes. And They, they were the um, true seed with 54 wins. They had the the seventh, uh, the third ranked offensive rating, 18th defensive rating. So and they, and they were making like 12 threes a game and P and Carmelo was playing great. Yeah. People Carmelo like, was incredible. This is that the year season. for the Knicks. Yeah. And then it just kind of, that was it. I think it's dangerous sometimes to peak early. And my fear with Toronto is they might've peaked three, four weeks ago. And I think if they had beaten Cleveland in that game, even though it was one game, it's regular season, whatever. It's that was team, a psychologically damaging game. The team that I think, if they could get their shit together, that America might not be ready for. Ironically, I said this a couple weeks ago: is, is fucking Philly. Because just from a talent yeah. standpoint, if you have a weird conference and nobody's that good, at some point it's just like who's good on each side, and there's three minutes left. And it all depends on who Embiid. has the who has the athletes, and it's like they have Embiid and Simmons. Those guys on the court will be two of the best players in the court. It, it's like Chris said; it all depends on Joel Embiid. Yeah. Is, is he coming back it, for it, Indiana? When he comes back, is he going to be a little bit spooked by the if, mask and everything else? If they have Embiid healthy, he's one of those guys that he. Arguably, could be the best player on the floor. Yeah, and you and he has that game where if the gate if the games do slow down and you do need to feed him, eat up shot feed clock. Him. Yeah, we've seen him multiple times against the Lakers, against all these it, other teams, just put up those kinds of like classic center games. This is why I love the East this year, though, because I think I'm prepared for anything. I don't know what the f's going to happen. I think any of the teams can lose in round one. All eight. I mm -hmm. think all eight can lose in round one. Um, and I have no idea who's going to make the finals and you can make a case for every single team. It's pretty exciting. Cool. It is. It's amazing. The West, it's like, we know mm -hmm. Houston's going to be there. If Curry misses round two, Golden State's vulnerable. If not, no. Um, but we're getting Golden State and Houston. That's happening in the East. I don't know. Um, all right, guys, this was fun. We had everything. Yeah, I think so. That's true. I, I think. You're riding high on the Sixers. I can see I mean, your eyes. I am. I found I myself in a weird eyes. position where I'm trying to defend San Antonio and Toronto and temper expectations on Philly. I haven't seen this look on in your eyes since we were doing the Miami <laughs> you know Vice rewatch. Can I throw out an X factor for all Philly postseason stuff? Dario. Yes. Dario has been playing out yes, of his homie. mind since the All Star break. That's it. But this is what we were saying about who are your five. The Sixers know who their five are. When, they, when there's five minutes left, I know who their five guys are going to be. And all of them play well together. Yes. And they're huge. And I can't believe that they yeah. figure out how to get Sarge and Bede and Simmons to all make sense together on a basketball court. But they did. Sarge helped by improving his jumper. Yeah. I, I think that's really clicked for him. I, I, it's just like overseas. Dario, his shot started like 30%. Then by the end, 40% three-point shooter. Same thing's happening now in the NBA. He's awesome. Sam Henke, that trade was his greatest moment. Alfred for opinion. Dario, basically. Well, just taking Alfred, knowing Orlando wanted him, and just kind of riding out the next five minutes waiting for Orlando to panic, <laughs> which is exactly what he did. He yeah. just took their guy. Yeah. And then he didn't want him. He already had Michael Carter Williams, who was like, what the hell was he going to do with both of those guys? And he just kind of stared at Orlando and waited. And Orlando was like, ah, uh, 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 well, all right, we'll give you 12 and next year's first. And Hank is like, done. Oh, and he just took their dude Hinky and won. got Sarich, who was the guy he wanted. Hinky won every trade he made. He really Everyone. did. He was a great trader. Yep. He's no Danny Ainge, but great <laughs> trader. 
right, guys. KMC, what are you working on this week? Um, I'm not sure yet. Probably some playoff preview type of stuff and also going to be starting to do a lot of research on awards and all that stuff. All right. Gun to your head. Who comes out of the East? Um, Cleveland. Cleveland. Gun to your head. Who comes out of the East, Chris? Philly. Yes. Philly. Sure. You're feeling it. I'm feeling it. Damn. And bead back for the first round? Yeah. With the mask? Sure. Yes. If I had to bet my life, I can't believe this, but I I think they stink. I would bet on Cleveland. I would just yeah. bet on LeBron. I, I'm not of even course. betting on their team. Are I'm you just bummed out LeBron. because the finals are going to be a sweep then? Yeah, I think the final, I think the playoffs are going to be super fun and the finals are probably going to be the worst part of it. Yeah. You'll have, if it's LeBron versus Houston or LeBron Golden State, that'll, LeBron will, you know, he'll take care of business you in one game. You see, uh, you see Gordon Hayward back jogging. Oh, the give me a break. Yeah. Just on, come on. That's not happening. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Coming up, uh, my buddy Jack, I was going to call him, but first this. Let's talk about Acer to the doers, the dreamers, the explorers, whatever it is that motivates you to work harder, stay up later, dedicate yourself to your passions. Guess what? Acer supports you. How? by building a laptop designed to exceed your expectations. Meet the Acer Swift 5. Acer took incredibly light and matched it with incredibly powerful to give you reliability on the go, equipped with a high-definition IPS touchscreen, powerful 8th-generation Intel Core i7 processor. The Acer Swift 5 helps you reach your full potential. Go to Acer.com, click on store, enter coupon code SIMMONS at checkout to receive 10% off plus free ground shipping on a Swift Series laptop, including already discounted models, offer valid through April 30th, 2018, limited to one per qualified offer. Windows, hello, the password is you, Windows 10. And while we're here, I've been shaving since college. You know what changed my life? The Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. No longer do I get those annoying cuts on my neck. Oh, what about the new Gillette 5 Razor? Five-bladed razor lubrication strip. Provides great gliding performance with less irritations. I need less irritations in all facets of my life. 15 soft microfins help create an even smooth shaving surface by gently stretching your skin. The 360 Aqua Grip Handle. Make sure you have total control of your razor even when it's all wet. I ordered it. Got four refillable razors and free shipping. And then every fourth order free because I subscribed. And now you can do the same. Get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realize you forgot to buy blades, subscribe now. Pick your favorite razor, get every fourth order free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Now here's Jacko. All right, on the phone right now, he can't come to Augusta with us. He's got the Griswold family vacation coming, but he's here right now. The baseball season has started. He's got to watch the... the uh, the Winklevoss twins, Stanton and Judge. Now he's here right now, my buddy Jacko. How's your Yankee season going? Um, not as well as I would have expected. It's it's not terrible, but it's not as it's not as much as I hoped for. What what's what's been lacking for you other than uh, wins? <laughs> well, the bullpen has not really lived up to its uh, preseason billing of being uh, not just the best in baseball, but maybe one of the best in history. It's, yeah. it's kind of stumbled out of the gate. Um, Dellen Betances has 
resumed his uh, his form from last year, which is not a good thing because mm. he he looks now maybe like he might not be what we thought he was. Um, He's skinnier, or, or maybe right? he is skinnier. what we thought. He, what's that? Skinnier Botantis this year. Is he? I don't know. I didn't really notice a big Th- difference in he that regard. But maybe. Pounds. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Maybe Man, he lost I don't know 14 pounds off his fastball. It could be, yeah. I mean, he's he screwed up the game. You know, he was getting hit pretty good the other day. I gave up a home run, and he was getting knocked around, and then he, you know, made an ill-timed or poorly thrown ball to home when uh, Pilar stole home. So yeah. uh, I think it was Pilar dancing off third, and they would have had him by about 20 feet, except that Patances, you know, got in his head, and he threw it wildly to the screen. So that, that was not great. And then... Yesterday, Conley gave up a home run to smoke, and then Robertson came in and you know got in some trouble, and then gave up the the grand slam. So the the lockdown bullpen has not been locked down, and even in a game that they won, um, Chapman gave up a gave up a run. So yeah. it's not really been this shutdown as I would have hoped, and, and then I would have hoped that Judge. Judge has me a little worried because it's only only four games, mind you, but he has not, he's had a, he's gotten on base a little bit. He had two hits the first day and then he had a single yesterday, but there's been a lot of strikeouts wrapped around that. And so, you know, we're supposed to have these twin mashers and, um, so far, he hasn't mashed. It's he obviously played, early yet, but it wasn't like they were right? exactly facing. They weren't really facing Sandy Koufax either. Right. You know, so he played center. You didn't like that. I did not like that either because a big guy like that, I just—he's a great athlete. But, uh, they, uh, you know, I'll give you that. But I just think there's a lot more reason for concern in center. He can he can bump into guys in the left and right, and you know, they, or a short pop up, and he, you know, there's get you getting issues with an infielder who's back to catch the ball. I, I just think there's a lot more injury potential in center field than there is in in left or right. I you love, know, we we have this much value. Please, I loved it. Of course you did. The, the possibility for chaos and, and uh, a disastrous moment just like tenfold in there. It reminds yeah. me, my wife and I binged the first six episodes of Survivor last night. Really? And they had, uh, yeah, I still like Survivor. I'll stand by Survivor. Right. I don't care what people think. Uh, they had this one, they, anytime they blindfold people and they <sighs> they blindfold them, but there's, they have to do stuff, but there's the one person shouting instructions from afar. Who's like their voice coach. And there's like, go right, go left. No, no, watch out. And the people are just <laughs> running into poles at full speed and, uh, and hitting things and just like getting hurt. And I can't believe they ever do that, uh, as a challenge. That's kind of right. how I feel with judge and center. I think he's going to take somebody out in like a really dramatic way. And I, and I'm here for it, Johnny. You know, they, he. It's funny. The Yankees. They were like, oh, they they have like this embarrassment of outfield riches because this is a you know calling Jacoby Ellsbury involved in something being being rich is is rich in itself. But yeah, um, you know, they had they have they have Stanton, they have Judge, they have Gardner, they have Aaron Hicks, and they have the Ellsbury, and then they had Clint Frazier waiting in the wings. So it was like we almost have too many outfielders. Just no center fielders, and then and then Ellsbury you know, had his usual get hurt in spring training and poor Clint Frazier ran into a wall and it's still in the post concussion protocol. Oh, Clint. And, uh, then Aaron Hicks does something to his oblique or, or I think he did something that was oblique his side somehow. So he's on the DL. 
they bring up young Billy McKinney, who had a pretty good spring, and you're like, maybe this kid can make some noise, well, given his opportunity. And he then runs into a wall mm. in Toronto in his first, in his second game, and bangs up his shoulder. So now it's like we have this, you know, supposedly embarrassingly rich outfield, and now we have to put Judge in center. And the other ironic thing is, I was reading over the weekend, it's a judge played center field in the minors. Apparently he played there in high school and college, I guess. And then when he came to the the Yankees system, they're like, well, you're going to have to move from center because we have Jacoby Ellsbury under the worst contract in the history of mankind. And he's locked down to that forever. Although they didn't call it the worst. I'm paraphrasing. I'm editorializing. (laughs) But we have Jacoby Ellsbury, who's going to be our center fielder and an anchor around our necks for the next 13 years. So you need to move to an other position. So that's how he became a right fielder. Well, let me tell you about the Red Sox. Cause I was watching yeah. them all weekend. Four nail biters against the devil race. Yeah. Joe Kelly blew the first one and then they, uh, they pulled off all three, but the big, the big storyline, Johnny, I know you'll love yeah. this. Once upon a time, we were making this hall of fame plaque. A current Hall of Famer is living up to his billing, yes. Once upon a time, his Hall of Fame plaque, we had we had written his first name in and we were chiseling in the second name. And then uh, it just just a bad year last year. He got hurt. He had no power. Right. He had a bad wing. And, right. uh, and now he's healthy. And Xander Bogarts. Yes. Is was he now, hitting about 900? Uh, you know, I was thinking this weekend, I was trying to think about him versus Rogers Hornsby and Honus <laughs> Wagner. Some of the other greats, like flip, the, really. the names that we grew up with, those middle infielders who just uh, were at a whole other level. And, and that's where he is, Johnny. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what a swing of emotions I've had because, you know, opening day on Thursday and the Yanks roll to an 8-1 victory. Severino looks great. Stanton hits two home runs. I was even willing to overlook John Sterling's horrific call, which may be the worst call since sports started on the radio. And um, the Red Sox have a lead, and then they blow it. Their bullpen implodes. J.D. Martinez did nothing. I'm like, oh, my God, this could this have gone any better for me? And then, you know, then the Red Sox squeak out three more wins. Bogarts, you can't get him out. Martinez finally got some hits, and I think he got an RBI yesterday. Um, Price looked good, and the Yankees bullpen implodes, and we got outfield injuries all over the place, and, and Judge really hasn't done much. So I'm like, my God, what, what a swing we've had over the weekend. It's just dispiriting. I was ruined the second half of my Easter. I was like, I really became, I was having a fine Easter with my family. Easter bunny brought me jelly beans. It was all good. And then I'm watching the Yankees. We go sit down for dinner. I'm kind of monitoring it on my phone and the grand slam happens. And then I was like cranky the rest of Easter. And I'm like, it's the fourth game of the season. This is so ridiculous to have your emotions so tied up with, uh, with this stupidity. And so, yeah, there, there you go. They've hurt me already. And then ultimately it just doesn't matter because the Astros are going to go 125 and 37. Potentially. It just doesn't matter. We'll see. None of this matters. The Astros might have the best American league team we've ever seen. They're ridiculous. Well, I confess to not having paid attention to them yet this season, but has, has Garrett, Garrett Cole pitched yet? I'll believe that when I say it, that he does it over the long haul in the American <laughs> league. We'll He's better the Yankees didn't get him. I was hoping for it, but this is one of these things. And this is where I'll, this will be now recorded for posterity because I'll overreact. But 
like Sonny Gray, right? Now, Sonny Gray and Garrett Cole, I'll, I'll confess, before they started being involved with the Yankees or their Yankees rivals, I wouldn't have known either one of them if they walked into this room. Yeah. But everybody's like, oh, you got to get Sonny. The Yankees need Sonny Gray. They got to get Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. He's 26. He's great. Sonny Gray. So we trade, you know, we have a depth of, of a huge depth of prospects. So we trade some prospects for Sonny Gray. So I'm like, oh my God, Sonny Gray. We got him. Young and under control. He comes in. He was mediocre last year for the Yankees and extremely frustrating. Yeah. So they're like, well, now Sonny Gray, full year with the Yankees, and he's comfortable in New York. And Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray. So Sonny Gray comes in. And yesterday, he couldn't have been more frustrating to watch. He couldn't get out of the fourth. He got through four innings, couldn't get out of the fifth. He's got guys on base every inning. He's pitching in and out of trouble. And I'm like, Sonny Gray, like, what, what was so great about this? And then it's the same thing about Garrett Cole. Oh, Garrett Cole, we got to get Garrett Cole. Like, you know, I, I've made this before, and it's legendary in the base report history. When I said I'm not going to be bouncing my grandkids on my knee talking about Anthony Rizzo, which, in <laughs> retrospect, I may be, may well be, but I'm not going to be bouncing my kids on my knee talking about Garrett Cole. I'm going to go right back into that well and jinx myself again. But well, think, like, he's a difference maker. Give me a break. I we should mention he he had a seven inning start and a win already, and he struck out eleven. Okay, he struck out eleven. Who did they? Eleven. That's pretty. Who did they play? It wasn't anybody that good, but it, but right. still, that's solid. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna turn my nose up at that. I'm not. Yeah, they they. So there you go. Now I, the I will be I, I have two daughters. Hopefully they'll have multiple grandchildren. So I can bounce one on one knee about Rizzo. And then I can bounce another one on another knee talking about Garrett Cole. I'm, I'm worried <laughs> Regaling about, them with stories about Garrett Cole's legendary awesomeness. I'm worried about the Astros just completely blowing this season apart and us kind of losing the will to live by June. Like we had, we, we relaunched a ringer MLB show a couple weeks ago, which you've been on. And they yeah. did, uh, they did over unders last week. And Michael Bauman had um, Zach Cram, who's one of our rising stars here at the right. Ringer, and who just calmly laid out like the uh, AL West overrunners. He's just ripping off facts, and they get to the Astros, and he's like, "The Astros have seven of the best ten best starters in the division." <laughs> it's like two of them can't start because they can only start five guys at a time, so they had to move them to the bullpen. Um, it's a disaster, Johnny. It's not good. I will say. I will say this. Yes, they. Yes, they have Keuchel. I'll believe Verlander can do it for a full season. I mean, I know oh. he was brilliant in the postseason. No one knows that more than me. I. I want to see Verlander at whatever age he is and how many miles on his arm do it for a full season. And regardless of his debut, I, I want to see Garrett Cole do it over the course of a full season. Like they have the amazing thing, though. I will give them this: is that UConn's own George, Connecticut's own and UConn's own George Springer is but, uh, turning himself into a superstar. I know he has been good. Yeah. McHugh and Peacock would probably be the number two starters on the Red Sox. It, depending on if this David Price thing is real or not. I can't, I don't want to get my hopes up. He does look better this year. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I think it's gonna be a long year, but I'm glad you brought up UConn because that was one of the reasons you called. Or I <laughs> wanted to call you every year when UConn loses in March madness. Um, yeah. My first thought is, wow, I can't believe somebody beat UConn. My second thought is, I can't wait to watch the highlights to see Gino Ariema do the um, the half-hearted, I'm still walking past you, <laughs> shitty handshake that it was. That's with the opposing coach. <laughs> Such right. a bad loser. And then my third reaction is, I can't wait to talk to Jacko because I know other than maybe the Red Sox or Patriots losing, nothing brings you more joy than the UConn's women's team going down. What were your thoughts? <laughs> Walk us through it. Well, I was, 
you know, I it was Friday night and they played a late game and and I really didn't even give it like a second thought because I'm like, well, it's a fait accompli that they're going to roll by 150. They put up 140 on somebody <laughs> earlier in the tournament. They had like 90 at the half. The New York Post Phil Mushnick was all outraged by that. It was a, right. it was a battle between Phil Mushnick and Gino Horiava. I, I didn't know who to root <laughs> for. Um, <laughs> it was like the Iran-Iraq war. Um <laughs> So that was exciting. And then somebody emailed me or Twittered me, tweeted me uh, a GIF or something of Gino Orieva. And it was like the first thing he ever did that I supported because the NCA has this ridiculous thing that you can only have an NCA sponsors liquid on your postgame press conference, be it water, Powerade or Gatorade, or you have to have it in an NCA cup. And Orieva came out and he added Dasani water, which must not be a sponsor. Some NCA minion was trying to like grab the water from him while he like played played fetch with it. It was fantastic work by Oriema. So I didn't really think anything of them winning. I figured they were going to roll through to a championship because they were you know thirty five an hour, thirty six whatever, and they've won every game by some ridiculous margin. So when I woke up Saturday morning, I looked looked at my phone on Twitter. I couldn't believe it that they had lost. It was unbelievable. And so then I flipped to ESPN and they had highlights. And then I saw his post game press conference and. He has very little experience with it, but he does not handle losing at oh, all well. And he, get, I don't, he had this surly press conference yes. about, well, you learn lessons, but I'm smart enough. I don't need to learn any more lessons. And it was fantastic. Hey, I don't think there's any love lost with him and Muffet McGraw. No, I don't think so. The the full pace walk handshake where you don't even stop for the for the split second, just graciously, right. is my favorite. It was actually one of the great basketball games of the last couple of years. I had randomly my TV um, was on ESPN and, and, uh, or whatever. I think it was on ESPN. So when I got home and it had already happened and it was the thing where you have the lag where you can rewind it and go backwards and see what was on the last hour and a half. And, uh, and it was like, like uh, Notre Dame almost blew that game in regulation in like a crazy way. Like it was over and they just completely choked in the last minute. And then it came back to the overtime. It was the same thing. They were up five with like 40 seconds left and almost choked again. And then um, that girl who's going to be, I mean, holy crap. Could yeah, she, she won both games. Yeah, could she? And then she makes the three, which is like, you don't see a ton of like threes with a hand in your face to win games in women's college right. basketball for whatever reason. Um, that the the combo of those two games, this is all of a sudden the WNBA is going to have like a like a new star here. That is right. crazy though. I mean, it was so much more exciting than the men's games. The men's games were pretty awful. Oh, brutal! And I don't, well, and I don't it have was amazing to me either. In watching 10 seconds of highlights on ESPN, which was as much of the game as I saw, is that, you know, you after she hit the shot, you kind of only have like a one point something seconds left. They set up a pretty good play. They did. That girl, that girl damn near hit the layup, like, which would have been absolutely unbelievable, like a dagger to follow a dagger, you know? So I was amazed that they made it as interesting as they did. And then I, I read that, I guess, Notre Dame had a big lead and UConn fought back and then they fought back in OT as well. So, um, you know, a valiant effort for them, but all for naught. And then I'm always worried, like, the state's going to shut down because because the UConn men, God bless them, are so pathetic now and are in a pathetic conference. Like, all we have are the UConn women. So yeah, what states- happened to the Kevin Ollie thing? I, I thought that was one of the weirdest stories. Like, three years ago, he was debating <laughs> between 
He had won a title and he was debating between re-signing with UConn or like taking the Knicks job or the OKC job. He basically had all these picks and he stayed in UConn. And then like two years later, like, you got to leave. You're terrible. You got to get out of here. I didn't understand that. And now they're trying to like get out from his contract for cause, but they haven't really said like what the cause is, you know, like what if he you know, did some shady basketball recruiting or something, if that's the allegation, because right. they don't want to pay him. And by the time they litigate it, they ought to just pay him and make him go on his way. But I mean, UConn basketball, the men's team has fallen from its lofty heights to such a spot that like, I almost feel bad for them. Is no, where you it's don't. Really you don't feel to. bad at all. You're dancing <laughs> on their grave. Because the part that makes me feel bad for UConn is they were the only ones that really did the right thing when it came to the Big East, where they were trying to keep the Big East alive and tried to stay loyal to the Big East. And all these Catholic schools were basically like, screw you, because because of football. They were like, you go with your football yeah. thing and get the hell out of here. And all these other, other non-Catholic schools were racing for other conferences. And UConn was like, let's try to keep the Big East together. And they ended yeah. up holding the bag. And so they end up in this lousy conference that plays that plays teams that nobody in the state cares about after having, you know, 30 years of playing Georgetown and Syracuse yeah. and Boston College and all these teams that you had rivalries with Villanova um you know that was a huge deal, and that was their identity. And you could, and you were on, you know, they were on ESPN every Monday night or whatever with the with the Big East. You had CBS games with the Big East, and now they're in a conference that has to be impossible to recruit in because even though you say, well, we've got four championships, that was a long time ago in a different conference. So you're, there's no guarantee of being on TV. There's no guarantee of making the tournament, and it's and there's no guarantee that you're gonna, you know, you can have an NBA career when you're in this lousy conference against lousy competition. So they're in the AAC, and the other schools right. are Central Florida, also. Cincy, um, East Carolina, Houston, Memphis, South Florida, SMU. Yeah, wow. disaster. Wow. And they, you know they and they built they wanted to build the their goal was to be like Michigan that they wanted to have yeah. a big time basketball program and a, and be a regional college and have a big time football program and a big time basketball program. It actually did so make they sense. built this 40,000 seat stadium for football and it, and the the football team has been wildly unsuccessful. I mean, there are people go to games to go to the tailgates and and what have you. But when they initially built that, they were envisioning a Big East with Miami in it, and they'd be playing Miami, they'd be playing Boston College, Syracuse, and football. You could at least sell that a little bit. But, you know, nobody's buying tickets to go watch them play Central Florida, as good as Central Florida is. That's just not like a marquee matchup. Yeah, you know, and this is like an old guy thing for us. Because we're old now. <laughs> we're in our late 40s. Yeah, very old. And things change and you got to roll with the punches and that's just the way it goes. With that said, the, the, the fall of the big East is such a bummer. We did the 30 for 30 about the heyday of it that Ezra did who ended up doing the OJ thing. Um, and it, it really did mean something in the eighties in a significant way, but right. just in general, it's really hard to believe we couldn't make this work. And it's hard to believe that you you wouldn't have a Big East that has UConn and BC and Syracuse and Georgetown. Right. And it just, it's so logical. And now there's nothing. There's no cohesion. It doesn't, and I know the money and all that. I get all the reasons and some schools jump to the ACC and football and I get it. But it's just a bummer. It's, it's weird that we haven't figured out. You know what else is a bummer? The fact that Loyola Chicago Kind of, even though they're much bigger than Holy Cross, the, mm. in my head, the 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 
the Catholic Jesuit college that comes out of nowhere and makes the final four and plays this cool style with a bunch of four-year players and they're playing like the 2014 Spurs. And oh, by the way, they have this 98-year-old nun. I felt like that was our corner that I had always Absolutely. been waiting for. It would have been a 98-year-old priest for us, but um, right. But it was always what I wanted for our school. And right, like why can't we do that? Right, just why can't we catch lightning in a bottle and have a couple guys that that play out of their heads? You know, it's I know it's, it's not it's not too much to ask for. I'm not asking that we become Duke or some you know national powerhouse, but. Could we have flashes every couple of years or maybe we make a run? I'm not even asking for the final four. Could we get to a sweet 16, you know, you that think, flash, how crazy we would go with that. You see what Gonzaga did. You see Loyola Chicago and it does seem like right. the window is open. I thought that style that they played was one of the keys for it because, you know, they had those guys there and they really, they really were creative offensively. And you just see, it just doesn't seem like that hard to replicate. Right. And, and I didn't realize that school was that big though. Cause I was like, Oh, they got, I wonder if they have like 3000, like we do. It's like 17,000 people there. Yeah. that so that helps. They so got to have a much bigger school with more resources and what have you. But I mean, co- college basketball, when, you know, when we were in college and guys went for four years and this is such an old guy rant, but guys went for four years and you would know guys like Pearl Washington was at Syracuse. I swear for 15 years, <laughs> <laughs> like Sean Miller was at Pitt. I swear for eight years. So you got to know these guys, Chris Mullen at St. John. Patrick Ewing and and, uh, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, you know, those guys had rivalries. You knew these guys, you either liked them or disliked them, depending on who you were rooting for. You were like way into it, but you had rivals. You can remember now these guys, you know, Kentucky, they have five new guys every year. Yeah. You know, and then, and then with, this is such an old guy rant too, but with this conference realignment, like I'm watching the NCAA and they're like West Virginia. And they talked about how they did in the SEC and they're like, wait, what West Virginia? Or I don't even know what, I don't even know what conference West Virginia is in, but it's not the big East, you know, and somebody, some random team is in some, you know, Texas A&M is in the SEC. And you're like, wait, what? Like, when did that happen? I have no idea what conference anybody's in anymore. So you can't even follow conferences, let alone players. It is completely, it's completely incoherent. And like the Tate and Titus who do our college basketball podcast for us, you know, it's their job to follow it and they get it. They don't even think twice about it. For for people like us, these schools just pop in every year. The, The players are almost always different. And I don't, it's, it's made me lose. I didn't even do a bracket this year. I just feel like, what's the point? Like, yeah, it's I'm just, just a crapshoot. Throwing darts against a wall. It's not like uh, right. there's any art to this. Um, so that's what murdered Kevin Ollie, I think. And, 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 you know, maybe he couldn't recruit and he won a championship. Everybody says, well, they were Calhoun's players that he recruited and Calhoun's system. And so he just inherited that. And he was the beneficiary when they won that year. But I think they have a hard time recruiting. And, and you know, UConn, they, they should have taken that $18 million they're paying Danny Hurley. And maybe he'll be good. Maybe he'll recruit players. He got guys to go to Rhode Island. So maybe he can get them to go to UConn. But they should have taken that money and bribed somebody to get into a better conference. The, I mean, what makes sense for them is to get in the ACC yeah. for basketball and for football. That would be their saving grace because people would be into it to go see, you know, North Carolina and go see Miami and go see Florida State. You know, that would make all the sense in the world. Even if they got rolled in football, which they would, those are, and there'd be compelling basketball matchups, obviously, with Carolina and, you know, Duke, obviously. So that that would be huge for them. That, that's what they should do. But this this goes back to the whole sports are thing where, you know, if there is a sports are, yeah. the sports are comes in and just looks at, at these conferences 
and says, all right, let's fix this. Sorry, guys, I'm stepping in. Um, you're going here, you're going there, you're going there. And I've always joked about the sports art thing going back to the last decade when uh, I was ready for right. page two. Maybe this is the time for me to get it done. If that, if I ever had a chance with the president, maybe it's this lunatic we have right now. Maybe I could talk him into it. It's not. You got to get on right? Fox and you got to get on Fox and Friends. You got to get yourself on Fox and Friends. Maybe with like the Andre the Giant thing, and say, "While I'm here at Fox and Friends, that's when you pitch the sports czar." So idea. I do. So it would have to be a six month, almost like a like I'm like I'm a spy, or like I'm yeah. just going stealth, or I'm playing a character or something where. It's like, wow, Simmons lost his mind. He became a conservative, like Trump guy. Right. And I'm just going on these shows. And I'm like, look, man, the more I looked at it, Trump's doing good stuff. And uh, we do, we shouldn't do anything about guns. And I just go all in, but it's with this plan that Trump's going to make me the sports are. And actually I'm going to do good. I'm going to, I'm going to do good things go. for sports. Let me yes. think about this. Yeah. I, there is a roadmap for me here. Cause there's a lot of and stuff. And then you can, can have fix. the sports are. You could have the sports czar put Holy Cross in the Big East, and then that would solve a lot of problems for both of no, us. I'm going to be the sports czar. I'll be putting oh, Holy you're the Cross. Sports yeah, czar. I'm the sports czar. Oh, that's so you'll put, the, you'll put us in the Big East. That's yeah. great. That's good. Then. I went over Trump. I, I start going on Fox <laughs> and all these different things. And and at some point, he just loves me, and we meet at Mar-a-Lago. And, yeah, uh, of course. And I'm just like, here's what I can do for you. He's like, this is great. But the problem is he might actually make me like the secretary of state. He might think higher than sports are. This guy he may say you're too, you're too good to be sports are. You need to be the secretary of defense. <laughs> you right? need to be my new vice president. I've decided he to get rid you of, in charge of He puts you in charge of building the wall or something. And you're like, uh, what happened here? Uh, what am I doing? You're Looking my new vice plans. president. Uh, you can't fire your vice president. He's been elected. <laughs> I don't care. I'm changing it. But we do need a sports are. Like I was watching... Um, that a heavyweight fight this weekend with Anthony Joshua, which was terrible. And he, at the end of the thing, he held three belts, but then Deontay Wilder. <laughs> Nobody is knows who belt. he is. Yeah. And it's like, there's four belts. There's four heavyweight belts. We need four. Right. That's a problem. I think for me, the highlight of March Madness was you and I emailing each other, Jim Nance, 60 minutes promos, none of which can be read on this podcast. <laughs> right. For the, right. For the Stormy <laughs> Daniels interview. <laughs> Well, and the other highlight for Jim is the other night, which I tweeted out, and I was not the only one to notice this, when he talked about when the kid from Michigan, it was a kid, yeah, the kid from Michigan, he jumped onto the broadcasting table, and there was a picture oh, of, yeah, yeah. Of, of my favorite person on earth, Bill Raftery, and Grant Hill, like, reacting shocked, and, and they were talking about how Grant Hill got in the Hall of Fame. Jim Nance says, and, and not only did he get in the Hall of Fame, but today he created a Hall of Fame meet me. <laughs> Which he meant meme, but he called it a meme. You <laughs> said meme? Oh yeah, I tweeted it out. I'm like, oh, did he just say meme? And then they had a replay of it, and he was like, "That's a Hall of Fame meme for Grant Hill." <laughs> Hello, friends. <laughs> it's a meme for meme. Yeah, it was great. He had a read for God. I wish I could remember what show it was. He did a read during the final four, and I was dying. Oh, it was for uh, the last OG with Tracy Morgan. Is it coming up, friends? Uh, it's a hilarious time. It's the last OG with Tracy Morgan. Did you see his tonal inflection was totally wrong? He's not the my audience favorite for thing that about show. The, uh, my favorite thing about the NCAA tournament, and I, and I have watched a good portion of it, even though I don't know who's in what conference or know any of these players, um, 
is that it's on TBS, and they've had a thing on TBS where Snoop Dogg is going to host the Joker's Wild. I saw that. Snoop Dogg's the Joker's Wild, like like Snoop Dogg of Dr. Dre fame back in 1992, and you know 187, and nothing but a G thing, and now yeah. he's the host of the Joker's Wild. Like incredible, it's just an amazing turn of events. You know, um, talk about somebody changing their persona. You know, those are all on Amazon, and I watched them with uh, my son and my daughter. I watched like three episodes because my son loved it because you know he's got an IQ of like 50. And, uh, and it, it is trapped in a time warp. It was like the original, it was like, we asked 100 secretaries if they had ever made out with their boss. How many <laughs> of these hundreds said they did? And like, it's literally like that. You can't believe it. It's just the funny, I was dying. You think it's like an SNL parody with Will Ferrell's the host, but it's not. These are actual like, real it. questions. It's, I highly recommend it. Uh, Jacko, we're going to go enjoy Disney. Um, Thank you. I'm sorry about the end you of the better, Yankee season. Please, uh, please don't do anything to get yourself kicked out of Augusta because I, I've never asked for anything, but I really want to go next year. Yeah, so yeah we're please, bringing you next year. Please behave yourselves and act accordingly and don't create any memes while you're there. Right, so. There'll be no memes at all. Thanks, Jacko. Thanks. Right. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to KOC. Thanks to Chris Ryan. Thanks to Jacko. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire my listeners. Can try for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Slash BS. Thanks to Acer, the Acer Swift 5, a laptop designed to exceed your expectations. If you want to try it out, go to Acer.com, click on store, enter coupon code Simmons at checkout to receive 10% off plus free ground shipping on a Swift series laptop, including already discounted models. Offer valid through April 30th, limited to one per qualified offer. Windows Hello, the password is you, Windows 10. Thanks to Gillette, get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. Try out great razors like the Gillette 5 razor now. Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. The next time you'll hear from me, I will be at Augusta. Don't forget to monitor the Shack House podcast, House of Carbs. Against all odds, we'll be going on there tomorrow night with our master's picks. I'm coming back Wednesday night. After we do the par three with a big pot about what it's like to be at Augusta. Stay tuned for that. And then uh, we'll also be in House of Carbs as well. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the rest of the day.